Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. And today we welcome Justin Wagoner, who is owner of a 2015 Holden Commodore VF. And we begin uh, by saying thank you for your military services, too, Justin. Thank you for being here tonight as well. Thank you. And we want to shout out to our very own Nikki Lockhart. My wife, Nikki, it's her birthday today, so I want to say happy birthday to her and everybody out in our podcast land. That's right. Happy birthday, Nikki. Happy birthday, happy birthday Nikki. Nikki. That's, right. That's enough singing. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Justin, for your service to our country. I appreciate Thank that as much. well. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about Justin's car and cars. Um, I met Justin a while back and uh, didn't know he was a big car guy, and we started talking, <laughs> and uh, he explained to me how he kind of got into cars and... Uh, being in the military, he was based uh, different bases around the country, and he was going to different car shows and getting into that scene. He uh, he had a couple cars that he was taking to these shows. He got invited to uh, a couple groups uh, to join. I think that's fair to say. Um, so, Justin, tell us a little bit more uh, about what really drew you into the car club or if you really wanted to get into groups or did you kind of want to stay more independent and just kind of do what you wanted to do? Uh, what's interesting is military-wise, traveling around every three, four years, well, back when I first came in, you'd be somewhere for five, six years. Uh, that kind of changed towards the end of the mid-2000s where they kind of locked that down. It seemed like every three years you were leaving uh, when I was single, uh, before I was married, it was almost a, a ticket into a group or into a scene. It was your it was your connection. It was your d- open door. Um, you'd show up, and if that was what you were into, depending on whether it was an import, if you ate muscle car, whatever you had, um, you could go to car shows or um, show up in the evening at somewhere like we have here around you know a value market where everyone parks their car and have a quick car and coffee. Or in the evening, when I was younger, it was a, the street scene at night and running around street racing and doing all that stuff, you would it was your ticket in. So it, you made connections that way. Uh, so I found it was easier for me to connect with that group of people and get, and get to know people in the community. And then once you met one person, oh, I know this guy and he has this Mustang. And so you could, you could connect with multiple people that way. And suddenly you're not alone. You're not an outsider anymore in this new community you showed up to with nothing. Um, you know, as I got older... I married. I didn't really need that as much, but it was embedded to me. So wherever I would go, I'd have a new vehicle and be a Saturday and tell my wife I'm going to go to a car show and meet some people. And um, that would be my base. That'd be my base group. And then I would have friends that way. And that would be our ticket to do things. And other, it would lead to other things. You'd have lifelong friends. You go out to dinner, people you could go and do things with outside the car community as well, um, which was always an interesting. Do you have a favorite uh, place, uh, I guess, quarter or part of the country, state or whatever car club? Do you have a favorite one that kind of, you know, I really enjoyed that one. They were kind of a little step above and beyond uh, this one or that one. I'd say this, the car scene out in El Paso, Texas. I was stationed at Fort uh, um well, I stationed out, well, I stationed out in El Paso. Give me a minute. Um, at Fort Bliss, Texas, and um, the community out there was interesting because it was the first place I've been to as a minority, uh, being a white male mm-hmm. out there in that El Paso. It was a lot of Hispanics, and so it was a different group of people, it was a different community. But they all enjoyed. Car- it didn't matter what color you were, your anything. It, you like cars, they like cars. That was your ticket in. So the community out there, um, 
was different. They the the scene wasn't just show up for a car show. They'd show up to a car show and there'd be food, right? <laughs> Cookouts, right? Cookouts, and you'd sit there and you'd meet new people and kids and people would ha- there'd be older people there with their kids and and um, so that that group was really unique because you had a lot of stuff that came over from across the border. We were writing uh, Juarez was there, so. They'd come across the border with cars you didn't know about or things that you'd heard about but you had never seen before or one-offs that would show up. And they were ju- just as excited to show you theirs, their unique stuff as we were. And um, I'd say that was probably the, the funnest time. I still have – well, that's not where I lost my car. That's where I gave up my Mustang GT slash Cobra that I had put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in out there. Um I sold it and went into a four-door car, which had to be a V8. It was a G8 at the time, which obviously right. the Pontiac G8, let me in the SS. Um, but I got rid of it, got rid of it out there, and I still to this day I see YouTube videos where that car is still out on like Mex. What do they call it? Uh, you want you know, the YouTube things? You always want to go down to Mexico. It's Mexico 1320, and videos. And you know, every once in a while there'll be a street race, and you'll I'll see it still ten wow. years later down there. Some guy running it, and I'm not sure if it's the same guy I sold it to, but um, it's still down there, so I always comment. That's kind of hey, cool. if you ever decide to sell that car, let me know. Uh, you know, <laughs> like to have it back. Yeah. Some of my blood's in that engine <laughs> bay. I would like to have it back. Um, but I, that's my heart out there. Was really that was where I, I liked it the best. Interesting. Right. right. Very nice. Well, I read your bio, and I think your first car was Mercury Tracer. <laughs> yes. So you probably weren't taking that to any show. Everybody take a wild guess, but it was a manual, right? <laughs> yeah. So my uh, my dad led me into that yeah, manual. Yeah. No, no, no. But um, but uh, going forward, though, you had some pretty real neat cars yeah. going forward. Um, so what what's intriguing about this conversation, like that was the first Holden that I've seen um, here in the driveway, and um, really a neat car. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the Holden? So the Holden itself, now, um, you'll enthusiasts or the pure pure guys that love GM products will tell you that's a Chevy. Okay, it's a GM product. It's a Chevy bow tie which may have originally been on it, but what's unique about it that I always fall back to is if you look at the VIN number, it starts with a six. Okay. Six country code is Australia. So manufactured, produced in, uh, in Australia, yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. So... Um, so as far as I'm concerned, it's a Holden. So all I did was go back and put all the badges, the correct badging on it that it would have had over there. Unfortunately, I'm not saying unfortunately, it's still right-hand drive, left-hand drive, or corrections, left-hand drive. If it was right-hand drive, it would be completely unique, but uh, a little tough to do. Um, but uh, I've had it for now four years. Um, you know, with any car that you collect and you do things to, you get torn, you have an issue, I'm selling it, I'm moving on, I'm doing something else. And um, it, it gets, it comes to that. It's a love-hate with that car. But then we'll have things that will happen where some guy will come up and just fawn over it and love mm-hmm. it and then tell me all about it. We had, we came down Bargetown Road uh, one night and I had an old man and his wife get up next to me in their Mercedes SUV and rolled his window down and his straight Australian guy, old guy. Hey mate, that's a Holden. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a Chevy. Oh, I love it. You yeah, do burnout, do burnout. Because over there, man, they that's their thing is doing burnouts. And uh, you know, I had my wife and kids in the car, and I kind of got on it a little bit. We got the next light, and he gave me the thumbs up. And then this dude in his Mercedes, old man, his Mercedes. Go, oh, good day, mate. And he took off out through the light, and his Mercedes just lit his tires up. I'm like these, just these guys are insane. <laughs> right. But he uh, he's like, I've never. I, 
couldn't believe I'd see one over here in the states, and mm-hmm. so it, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I mean, we couldn't even get through lunch today before somebody <laughs> interrupted our lunch, and uh, a person uh, recognized right. his car from a job he was doing on right. a neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, and then the Louisville area. I think we discussed there's less than there's that oh, five man. or a little, little. I think I've seen maybe four or five. Okay. So I'm in a, a obviously a group here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own group of guys that we run around with. I was going to ask you about that, but good. Um, uh, Kentuckiana G8 and SS is Kentucky. And so you got Kentucky and Indiana. Okay. And, uh, so there's a couple in Indiana I know about. And as you go up towards Indianapolis, they get more prevalent up there. There's a couple big time SS or holding enthusiasts up there that throw an event every year. Mm-hmm. So you get them more prevalent up here down here. You just don't see them. And that was a big, a big thing is no one knew what they were. So just shy or just over 13,000 over 14 2014 to 2017 they made and brought over so 13,000 okay uh, you constantly see you guys getting at wrecks i don't know how many are left mm-hmm. um a silver ss from that year mine specifically is number 1 or number 9 of 28 for that year mm-hmm. so i it's rare you don't see them i like that people it starts conversations yep. um so that's that was a big deal I, and it's four door so i keep up my whole family in it so do I want to sh- go out and get a charger? A charger Hellcat wouldn't be bad, but you see a charger, the scat pack, you see those on every corner. I'm just like, you know what? I don't want something everybody has. So, uh, and we got the whole, what was it that dropped that had you say that you kind of looked around and went, Oh, look at that. That that's a Holden. Or it was adjusted. You just kind of happened into it. Or were you looking for this? Oh, we go back to when I got the G8. I didn't really know mm-hmm. what the G8 was at the time. This was in, 2009 well 2010 we were getting ready to move and go to wisconsin and i had or no i had gotten rid of my g8 and i needed a four-door car so we just kind of looked around it happened on a, a pontiac g8 in the parking lot i, had, I was a ford guy i always had fords mm-hmm. and i had no idea what the ls motors were and and i the guy showed me this four doors looked pretty looking cool looking car it was a burgundy it was beautiful come to find out that burgundy color on that g8 for the 2009 year was and extremely rare um but i got in it i drove it and like i can do this this thing's got a v8 in it um i can handle this and had a 60 uh the six liter in it with a dod which the displacement on demand is terrible that's the first thing that needs to go on all of them but um that kind of got me into it so when we moved to wisconsin i got rid of it and i went to a jeep so of course when i went to a jeep it had to be a lifted jeep on 35s that you go rock crawling with and uh as cool as those straight sixes were in there, or the three, I think it had a 3.5. It wasn't the Penn Star yet. This thing would not get out of its own way. <laughs> I had it for, I had it up in Wisconsin for probably two and a half years. Um, it did well in the snow. It was fun, but on the interstate or going anywhere, mm-hmm. it, it was awful. Right. I told Sarah, I was like, I'm, there's no reason I can't have a V8 rear-wheel drive car in Wisconsin. Half the year, well, more than half, probably eight months out of the year, that was fine. It was beautiful. Then you had some, you know, months where you was you wouldn't want to drive a rear wheel drive a car up in Wisconsin. Um, so she's, I don't care, you know, as long as it's got four doors, I don't care what it is. Oh, all right, let's do this. Let's go get a CTSV. What else? We have? Oh there my god! Go. So there you uh, go. <laughs> now you're talking my language. <laughs> the, Selective shopping. I like that. But that uh, there was two sitting on the sh- sitting on the, the lot at the Chevy dealership of 2014 and 2015. Not much difference between the two. 2014 was the first year of it. Didn't have the mag ride like the like a Corvette has. Mm-hmm. They went to that in 2015, and it had Brembos all around in 2015. Um, so for what I could get for a cool lifted Jeep in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. 
man, I took the equity, put it right on that SS and walked away. Didn't look back. And it's been, and then that's when the whole, I realized what it was. This right. thing originally is Australian. So then I started digging into the, the knowledge and lineage of what Holden was. And that was a really cool story. Right. So that's I kind of went into it from there. So talk to us about the dino experience. Now, uh, just, <laughs> just let you guys know a fun thing to, to YouTube is dino failures there you go yeah there's some pretty crazy stuff so talk to us about your dino experience uh, you say dino failures yeah that's not the one thing you want to go look for <laughs> before you do it the day you go to the dino um <laughs> like oh look at this neat thing and you know uh there was yeah. you'll see these yeah. diesel trucks exploding on dinos at these mm. dino events and um dinos are pretty cool dino the dino itself is just measuring horsepower um i truly believe it you know, I'm a quarter mile race car. I, I like the power to the ground. That's cool. Your car has 900 horses, but you get it on a street light, you can't hook up, and you've got this 350 horse 370 Z that just smoked you because his car hooks up and takes off the next light, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there spinning your tires. Right. Great. <laughs> Dino numbers are great until you get on the street and you actually get some times behind them at a track. Don't talk to me about the numbers. So I've never really been concerned about the number, but you say that until you get there. And yeah, then you right. see that first pull he makes, and he gives the number, you're like, Oh, that's not as a. I'm a little underwhelmed by that number. Yeah, no, I got more in me. I got I more know, in let's me. Let's go. Yeah, let's get some more on here. So let's push it to the ragged edge and, and do this again. Um, but I've been, you know, I've had two or three cars dynoed. The Mustang was pretty neat. The Mustang Cobra was really cool. And the, watching how, watching the difference between what a tuner can do and what an engine builder can do is pretty unique. Like the engine builder itself, watching them disassemble a vehicle and put it back together from parts, and then you take it to somebody else who really is hoping whoever built your motor did it correctly because all he's watching is the numbers. What's mm-hmm. your fuel pressure look like? Is your timing correct? Let's get these numbers right. 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 Uh, so there's, they're, they're one and the same, but they're both entirely different. So you're hoping whoever built your motor when you go to the dyno is correct. And in this case, it was m- me and my buddy Paul Brooks, so I'll give a shout-out, who's great, the most amazing shade tree mechanic. The guy must – he should own a snap-on truck. He's got every tool in the book. Um, <laughs> but we did it in his garage. And um, – He's like, I'm like the Padawan to him, and he's my, you know, uh, Star Geek Islands with Star Wars. He's my uh, Jedi Master. Jedi Master. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi showed me the, showed me the ways <laughs> of the Force. Um, but no, we, we tore that motor down, built it up, put it back together, and we took it to the dyno. And there's a, there's, a, there's a good video. Adam Blevins is great out in Indiana. Um, pretty reputable guy getting with him. And uh, he tuned it for me, took it up to the ragged edge. You know, once you do a lot of stuff to those motors – they know and they're seeing it right there real time on a computer what it's doing so mm-hmm. if something's usually if something's going to go wrong he can see it coming but you sometimes have those catastrophic failures where that happens yeah i got you well we're gonna we're gonna put a little pause in it right now we're gonna find out what happened on the dyno but first we're gonna take a moment and ask you to please check out our sponsor gd herring gd herring provides options on insuring not only your classic car but all of your collectibles please check them out at gdherring.com and while you're on the internet Take a walk over to Amazon because our boy Jason over here has his very own book that will make you, if all this car talk is making you interested in starting a collection of your own, check out his book, Drop Throttle Oversteer. It's available on Amazon, and he goes through, and it's very layman's terms. I can understand it, so it's very well written. Well, thank you. It's a fun read. Yeah. And he will autograph it for you if you would like. That's right. (laughs) Five bucks. (laughs) Got to wait in line, though, right? 
five bucks and he only takes quarters. But check it out. It is available on Amazon.com. It's a fantastic read. So if you're ever interested in starting your own collection or getting your first car that's a collectible, it's awesome because it talks about everything from the appraisal process to what kind of model that you want to get. Why are you buying a car? Are you looking to get a resale out of it? He walks you right through the whole process. Drop out all oversteer, available at Amazon.com. After you check out GDHearing.com. And now, what happened on that dyno? Uh, coming back. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing but uh, unicorns and rainbows happened on that dyno. No, it was it was good. I uh, Luckily, I Fantasy. wasn't a uh, YouTube sensation that day. Um, Adam was able to coax right around 467 horse out of it and 435 foot-pounds of torque, which, again, I just said numbers don't matter, but... Um, it's pretty strong for a family truck. It's pretty, and then right. if you if you really mm-hmm. want to make big mm-hmm. numbers, I was to the ground. So if you flywheel numbers, what a lot of you know the common person hears advertised on their their sticker, what kind of horsepower it has. I guess if you think twenty percent on that, we're well in the five hundred range, which is pretty cool for a little four door family car. Um, it's fun. You know, the, the the best is when I hammer down on my little girl's in the back seat, just big grin on her face. Right. And then oh. I've got my wife hitting me, just shaking her head and like, What are you doing? Like the guy looked at me, he wanted to race. Said, no, he didn't. He didn't look at you. But um Well the no, only I, thing I, family about this car is the fact that it has four doors. doors. <laughs> and a car seat. There is nothing else about seat. the car that screams family car <laughs> other than it has four door That's, handles. Well, until the uh. windows rolled down. I didn't even see the car seat because it has a really good tent job on it. But, oh. you know, hearing those kind of numbers and you, and you hit the throttle on it and it's unexpected. I mean, the, the decals on it has, does say it's got a little got a little juice to it. A lot of juice. It kind of makes you kind of do that little. Yes. The idle on it. Oh, just, it sounds just, good. It made the made yeah. the hair stick up. It gave you the little goosebumps. Yep. Oh, I had him. Nice. I had him wake up the neighborhood a couple of weeks ago, leaving my house <laughs> uh, a little past midnight. I asked him to. Uh, let the neighbors know he was leaving. So uh, the one that has the dirt in the uh, street, uh, well, right? <laughs> that dude. So uh, yeah, that was nice. It sounded good going down the street. She's pretty docile to you, hammer on it, and it does. Like you get at a stoplight, and you'll get some some guy comes by and gives you the thumbs up. This sounds good. Sounds good. Like that never gets old. Having someone nice car that sounds good. Sounds good. So it's almost like as a car enthusiast or someone that enjoys it that's what your goal is to go out you want to go out there so that not only does it sound good to you but you involve others and those other enthusiasts out there that go hey what's in that that sounds like it's got a cam and then you can that right there your door's open to talk to this person hey yeah i've got this car i've got a cam oh brian tooley racing oh yeah i know brian it's just Mm -hmm. you just walk into conversations with people about that and that kind of talks about a lot of things we talk about is the community that happens with cars and that that personal experience that you have with it, and then you get to share it with others that have that same enjoyment. You pass it down to your kids. They're already experiencing those special moments with you. Yeah. Did you Have you joined any uh, – I know we were alluding earlier about car clubs. Do you, do you belong to any car clubs now or affiliations with any, like, car groups? Um, I would call them – there's actually the groups around here. So there's, you know, Facebook's uh, – since – you have the social media present now with Facebook. There's a lot of stuff on there. You can just type in the Facebook search bar and find all sorts of local groups here, whether it's 502 Underground or Kentuckiana Misfits or um, I, I can go. There's there's a lot of different places you can other people that are involved in these groups. So, do you say you're in the group if I'm part of the Facebook page? Well, I, I am, but have I gone to any some of their events? 
no, but okay. I'm part okay. of their group. Um, but it's nice because you can, if you're with these people, they put things out, events. So you mm-hmm. hear about um, like Captain's Quarters and uh, when BMW was holding their event, their their cars and coffee at the BMW mm-hmm. dealership. I think they've moved it somewhere else now because it got so large last year. My yeah. God, the first one of the season last year, they had to call in the St. Matthews Police Department because it it, bre- it went out yeah. onto like the road and really? all the businesses around mm-hmm. it. It would turn into this massive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, as far as group, I have my little select group of people that we run around mm-hmm. with. Uh, Nashville Cars and Coffee is coming up December fifth. Um, so the little group that I run with, that's a couple G8s, and we all started with something. So there's a couple G8s. There's an SS, but now one of the guys just got rid of his G8, really nice G8, and he went to a 5.3 Turbo Silverado. And just like that. So now we've got a Silverado in our little group. That's fine. That's a cool cool thing to it's have cool in your group. So when you're traveling down 65 South or going to these events and you show up with a group of cars, you have more of a presence because you pull mm-hmm. into these car shows with seven, eight, nine, ten group people of your car that mm-hmm. you're friends with, and you guys just take over a section of the parking lot, and people all look and come up and... You know, you've got your group, and then you can meet other people, and that's pretty neat. And it, it sounds nice to have a variety of different cars in your yeah. group. Nobody wants to everybody have the same car. No. I think it's boring. Well, Any car show you go to, you know, it's nice to see a, a nice variety of makes and models of maybe the same manufacturer, but different models. And there's a little, like I say, there's become some envy. So you have a bunch of G8s. Well, this G8's got stage three cam, or he's got a turbo kit on hers, and you've got this guy with just a base model G8, nothing done to it. He's part of your group. You make him feel welcome, but you always know that, man, he wishes he could be like this G8 or this one. So if you have a bunch of SSs, you find yourself competing. I have a buddy that's got a beautiful blue SS um, in Indiana, and he's got a spoiler that I want. I've got a lip spoiler on the front of mine, but he's got a rear deck spoiler that's gorgeous that i want and he's got mm-hmm. that and i don't have it i'm like so every time i see his car i'm like mm. and then he got he just got rims oh man he's got sweet rims i've got stocks my stocks are fine they look great but he's got aftermarket rims so now i want aftermarket rims too so is there something that makes you continue to drive forward to to better your better your vehicle and stand out a little bit more yeah, yeah. so that's really cool and and like and especially when you like john was talking about when you come in with a group of all these different cars you've got a lot of variety instead of pulling in with eight Camaro SSs, and then you start debating on, well, that's actually an RS, but that's I see you put a stripe on it right. anyway, or the S's aren't really close enough together, the size of them aren't right. You're nitpicking. So I think it's really cool that you have all a different variety of vehicles in here, and it gives you a lot of things to talk about. And they all they and they all have the same, that, that kind of group of people all have the same one thing in common. They all are automotive they love the automotive enthusiasts. We can stop now. And now we're in a group. We'll walk away from our cars with the six, seven, eight guys are with them. We'll walk the car lot. And we all have the same reaction, whether we were looking at ours or we're looking at this Ford GT or the Gallardo that rolls in. We mm-hmm. all, it doesn't matter. Or the Ford Focus RS that's completely riced out, but sounds good. And he's put his heart and soul into making it his own and making it unique. That's what I appreciate the most is watch. I don't care what it is, but if you've made it unique and you've taken the time to do that, mm-hmm. that's the hand. I, I don't want someone to roll up with temp tag or brand new store tags on their car and park at a car show and expect to get some recognition. Right. Like, cool. You went out and dropped all that money on this Lotus Elise, but you still have your temporary plates on it. Right. You haven't done nothing to it. You haven't really done anything. Yeah. So yeah. And you still don't have a fast car. <laughs> it's a very nice MR2. It's a Honda, whatever. Right. That's right. That's right. 
So what kind of modifications have you done to the Holden in your in your ownership at this point? Uh, so I picked it up, and on, on the down, though, can't tell my wife, even though she's staying in the room. <laughs> no. Um, she can't hear you. The, the, sound, the room is the padded. Sound padded. <laughs> the soundproofing in here between she here and three hear feet. She can't hear anything. Getting Getting the blessings to uh, to do these things when you're married. You know, I, I'm... We share everything. We have a great marriage, and you know, my money's her money, and her money's her money. So, <laughs> if I want to do something in the car, I got to ask for some money. No, she lets me do what I want. Uh, but we did. Uh, first, I did the suspension, um, which was pretty funny. I got kind of got over on the Chevy dealership in Savannah when we lowered it. That car has Magride, so there's a lot of sensors and things that go on there. So when I was getting, I think I had a recall done on the power steering in that car. There was a power steering recall for all the SSs. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went in. I said, hey, if I brought you the springs, would you guys lower it for me? Said, sure, we'll just do the labor for it. Not a big deal. And he quoted me a price. He didn't realize that that car, again, a Chevy dealership, didn't know what it was. Uh, that tells you how bad of marketing they did with these things. Took it in to do it, and then it realized it had mag ride. So it had to have, it had to be depinned and everything to get the springs to slip off that mag ride suspension. Okay. So it took twice as long as he had to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he'd already quoted me a price, so that's okay. what I got it for. So... Anyways, the side story with that. But they lowered the vehicle. Um, then we went in and did the exhaust. We did headers on it. Uh, so it's got Cook's long tube headers on it, which my wife wondered what I did. Um, she seems, it seems a little louder. No, no, it's not any much louder than it was before. No, no. This, right. She's like, I've been with you long enough to know you've done something right. to this thing. So sure. Sure. she's not <laughs> completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. But we did that. Um, and then I pretty much left it alone. I went and had it tuned because when you do stuff like that, obviously to get the most bang for your buck out of a part, you want to have it retuned right. mm-hmm. to have it have yep. it done. So I went ahead and had it retuned and then um, drove it around for a while, and I was content, and you're always content for a little while. And then I started hanging out with my group of buddies <laughs> with had cams right. and that chop, they call it the choppy boy life, that nice little chop and popcorn you get out of the back of a car with a cam. And that was my next goal. Okay. So you know, then I started saving my pennies doing things here on the side, selling things that I probably shouldn't have sold to get some money. <laughs> but things that were part of my life that I didn't really need anymore. But, you know, if I can get money toward my cam. So we just, I pieced a cam kit together, and we put a cam in back in it in July, and that's when uh, we went to the dyno with it. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, did, uh, when you lowered it, did you offset the camber on it? Uh, so you see, you can. Uh, what I did with mine is the uh, factory camber on those has always been an issue. So mm-hmm. you can get specs from Australia for a group called HSV, Holden Specialty Vehicles, okay. that you see that run the, the road courses over there mm-hmm. big time, the the supercar mm-hmm. over there, the event, supercar event in Australia. So um, the factory camber and offset on those things is terrible. And uh, I actually got some specs from some guys online that would send me, hey, this is what you want. So we went when I had it lowered, I gave them to the guy gotcha. when I had him on the wheel um, alignment rack, mm-hmm. and he sent them all at those specs. So. Okay. The problem that you run into with this car is it's offset size rim, so they're 255s up from 285s in the back. Okay. Yep. So rotating tires isn't a thing. Yeah, so yeah. my wife's like, why are we always changing tires on your car? It's been 20,000 <laughs> miles. Well, normally at this point you would rotate them and get another 20,000, but no, unfortunately we can't rotate tires on this car. Right, right. Yeah. When, when now, and, and we found out from other folks that have done uh, ground-up builds, uh, when you do one modification, usually that there's a little trickle effect of – this has been modified, but then we also need to fine-tune other parts to the car so it all gets in sync. Correct. What, what is one of the modifications that you did that required maybe a modification that you were surprised that it required that you wouldn't have immediately thought, hmm, well, that affected that differently? Uh, you start to see it in your suspension components big time. When you lower a vehicle, that added stress 
on those shocks and their subframe connectors and your sway bar links and your sway bar you start wearing those out real fast and then with this car specifically um notoriously the sway bar in links go bad eventually sooner than expected i don't know why it's just hmm. a problem with them and as soon as i lowered that vehicle within i don't know ten thousand miles of having it lowered i started getting that weird pop over speed bumps and at slow speeds mm -hmm. i could feel it sure enough my sway bar and links were shot uh, the bushings gotcha. go out so that's something that you would wish you'd had the forethought to do while you were lowering it hey mm -hmm. just go ahead and change all that stuff anyway but you sometimes forget about it especially if you're not not you don't have a not a huge budget, but if you're doing it piece by piece mm -hmm. by piece, mm -hmm. you forget those things that, oh, I just want to get lowered. And you don't think about the second and third or fourth oh, yeah. thing due to your That's car. Right. Now, for those wearing out, was it more of a just because it hadn't been, hadn't been exchanged out, or is that just an engineering thing that happened when they uh, just designed it? Well, there's guys that have had to replace them regardless at 50,000, 60,000 miles, and that's something, a part you wouldn't normally see. Now, has it can sway bar and links can, can does that contribute by how you drive your car heck yeah mm -hmm. a lot of guys you know you're not gonna buy most people that know what an ss is a chevy ss is or a holden commodore is with mag ride are just daily driving it to and from work they do what i do where we rally north america where you're on track days and i've taken this car like i said on mid ohio down in bowling green on the, the vet track um we've had it at watkins Glen, mm -hmm. so maybe a couple trips up there with some spirited laps maybe <laughs> might wear those components the, uh, out right. a little quicker yeah, so right. uh i don't i don't know if if, if that there hasn't been a lot of factor recalls on these cars either this the uh, power steering component was the biggest because it has electronic power steering okay so something to do with some connectors that they had weren't connecting right so hmm. at about thirty-five thousand miles you'd be mid-drive in a corner and suddenly power steering would go out which is really exciting especially <laughs> if you're mid-corner going at a high rate of speed right luckily for me it just one day I, I got a power steering light and then I went to go kind of turn and it was real tight. And I, so I knew something had gone wrong. Gotcha. Wow. So, um, just real quick, how fast have you gotten this thing up to? On the back strip of Watkins Glen, I think we hit about a buck 45. Is that right? Wow. Um, okay. Which is nice. exciting. Um, it is. been on the street. No, I, you'll street race and Gene Snyder and some of these. <laughs> you get on it, but when you start passing cars in the blink of an eye, you, it brings you back to reality real quick. Yeah. Of I've got a daughter at home and my right, wife, right. and I, so you, right. you bring them down to speed. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, Justin, uh, we thank you so much for joining us here today at the Classic Car Corner podcast. And for our listeners of the podcast, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe so you're notified of new shows. And please, please leave us a review because your reviews are the most powerful way you can uh, help reach more people. Uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.